Steelers with a quick swing pass. It's Keaton Mitchell at the sideline, across midfield. It's a foot race, and Keaton Mitchell has gone. And Hooker can't take a sack. Double clutches, throws. It is caught. Did they get the timeout? Drew McCoy. Finn, all kinds of time. Gonna take a shot deep middle. What's going on, everybody? This is Chris K of the Burning the Red Shirt podcast. No Zach today. We have Andrew here with us, and we have a special guest. First and probably last time we will have a guest. It is the lead college football. And are you also lead NFL draft analyst for NBC Sports? You got both of them down? Yes. At this point, uh, believe it or not, I am the only human being in the mothership of NBC Sports Stanford, Connecticut, that has anything to do with college football. So, yes, by by default, I am the lead NFL draft analyst for NBC That's awesome. Sports. That's correct. Eric Froton, everybody. So we're super excited to have him on. The reason why we have Eric, uh, a.k.a. Froton, here is because we did a We've been talking a little bit 2023 in the last couple of weeks. We wanted to keep it going. And what we did was we could, the three of us with also the grumpiest man in college fantasy football, Mike Bainbridge did a three round <laughs> mock draft, uh, 36 picks. We kind of just did four, what, three each in a round. And we wanted to talk about it today. Just, you know, BS about all the different players. So, uh, I guess I'll kick it to you, Andrew, to start here. Hold on, before we start doing this. So you you, you mentioned that tomorrow's like the first day or whatever. You you don't have an NBC show for on a on a weekly cadence in so long. So let's bring you back into your day job world just for a second, because I don't understand why why is Navy favored tomorrow over Army? Is there something I'm missing? Uh, I'm not particularly sure about that. Maybe. It- and, and Andre Carter, you know, being a, a first round pick, is he has he said he's going to be out or not yet? I assume he probably will skip the game, but uh, maybe he won't. That could be a factor. Um, but yeah, absolutely, it's it's death taxes and service academy unders here in uh, in in America because I think it's thirteen and one that they've been in the past few. Do you think that trend breaks? They, they're Vegas is bringing they're starting to bring those unders down to like a to like Kentucky Iowa level right it's like 30, <laughs> right. It's like 30 and change for the over under so I, I'm not gonna mess around with that uh, but to some like I'm, I was looking back at recent service academy uh, box just score scores when I was like I, I wanted to understand like is my brain calibrated correctly in terms of thinking that army is like are they still the better team? Then Navy, because that was what where my mind was at, and just like box score scouting, it still feels that way. Like Navy, yeah, they 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 beat UCF and a, a hobble JRP, but they've been they've been awful all year. And Army, even though they've got a bunch of losses, they lost to Troy by a point. They lost to Coastal during their peak right early on in the year. So Army still feels good, but at the same time, so looking at the the actual like the way the Commander Chief trophies played out, this feel it feels almost to me like you could just correlate when two service academies get together to almost like it, a, an all-star game in a sport where it's a, actually, it's a coin flip, like regardless of how good these teams are, like they're, what's going to play out in terms of one being a favorite versus the other. 
So I don't know. From that perspective, it's always weird to me when you see in an all-star game that one team is actually favored. Like, what, what does that even mean? Like, why would one team be favored in an, over another in an all-star game? And that in conjunction with Army just generally being, I think they're better than Navy. Like, I don't know why you want to take, if you're, if you're insistent on betting that game, I would think that taking Army plus two and a half is, like, I don't see any reason why you want to take that. Absolutely. And the thing is about Army, you know, all kidding aside, get into the, the game. You look at five of their last six games, and they've been awesome. They've been very, very good. And the game that you reference against Troy, first off, Troy just won the Sun Belt. John Sumrall comes in year one. And, my gosh, we expected, I guess, a little bit more of a heavy run script, which didn't materialize until Kamani Vidal Sassoon started getting 30 carries at the end of the season and going buck wild with 200-yard games. I didn't see that coming. Bainbridge, I guess that is our surly friend, Bainbridge's uh, <laughs> posthumous, you know. It didn't happen a week 12, but it happened. You know, props to Mike. But, um, God, you can't say enough about that Troy team. The defense, I mean, I believe it was sixth ranked uh, when I had capped them last week in terms of overall pass defense. I mean, my God, that all, everything about that team has been incredible. The point is, that's a great Troy team. That's a double-digit win team. And Army had a 99% win expectancy that they just, everything had to go wrong for them to dump that game. And if you look at five of their last six, they've had at least a 75% win expectancy in five of those six games. All right. And we're talking about pretty good opponents here. Air Force. Uh, Connecticut is a much better team than they were at this point. Jim Moore has done a great job with them. Uh, Troy, as mentioned. ULM, not so great. But when they've played non-Power 5 teams, Armies look great. I completely agree with you, Katz, uh, on the Army side. Uh, the only thing that really gives me any hesitation is that they don't stop the run very well. Like, they, you, you know, yeah. they're better against the pass this year. I mean, obviously, when you have Andre Carter bringing heat from the edge, that's going to happen. But um, I, I don't like 117th against the rush. That that gives me just – that's the only thing that gives me pause against Navy. But all my other factors are saying go Golden Knights. Nice. Let's do it. I'll probably – I'll play Sped after the show. <laughs> what did uh Adrian, what did you think of doing the actual mock going to the but to the 2023 mock that we did through uh three rounds 36 picks like just generally speaking how hard was it to do did you feel like you're an idiot at times yeah i mean it, i'm trying to remember exactly when this was when we did this, right. So it was right before transfer mania kind of started out. And it's so funny that some of like a, a decent ratio of our picks are already looks so dumb in hindsight. Um, but I mean, I definitely didn't, didn't want to draft some players uh, just cause I wanted to, I didn't want to set a bar for where they're going to go. And I, I would like to kind of take advantage of that later on. So are you, worried, wait, are you worried about setting the draft <laughs> too high for some guys you love already. Yeah, of course. That man. feels like an Andrew thing. Yeah. And for this context, is... Andrew's right. We did this about 10 days ago. So like the week after Thanksgiving, it was pre-portal. I think we have three or four guys drafted that are now you think I would portal. really oh, take several. Oh, I have I three really or four. Will Rogers. I would never draft Will Rogers in a million years. That was 100 percent gamesmanship. <laughs> in our in our theoretical 
crap. Well, did we specify if this is four or six point per passing touchdown? That's a big fact. I didn't want to get, you know, with Mike being so grumpy, I didn't want to get too oh, rolls, you know, too rollsy here. So I just wanted to go with the flow a little bit to help him out. And Mike couldn't wait for the end of the season. <laughs> definitely couldn't wait. Well, I mean, in his defense, he does write up literally every single, you know, DFS. Everything. Every, but bless Mike Bainbridge. He's a wonderful resource, as is BTR. Yeah. I think Mike's probably the hardest or closest to the hardest working man in, in CFF, but let's talk. I, I will break down or I will, I will speak out the top 12 picks and then I let's get initial reactions. So first one being Caleb Williams, the quarterback, obviously, then Drake May, Marvin Harrison, the first receiver off the board. They made a string of running backs, Braylon Allen, Quinshawn Judkins, Mayan Williams, Keaton Mitchell, Raheem Sanders, that takes us to pick eight. Then we went Austin Reed, the quarterback, who's now in the portal. Travion Henderson went 10th. Will Shipley, 11. And Emeka Igbuka, 12. Your boy, Froton. Oh, so well, apparently it's K's boy. Apparently it's <laughs> he's K's boys now because I figured, oh, I can wait on Igbuka here because he's my guy. No one else loves him like I do. But I was wrong. Get you know, mad at Adrian. I mean, he to took the market. <laughs> so I, mean, I guess initial thought right uh were you well, surprised should, by any of the first rounders i think it's interesting that when you when we draft early like this there's only really two ways that i think guys get into the draft board when we're doing just like a top 36 or something like that it's guys that have proven it on the field or the the c's are projected the part to allow for them to ascend within the CFB landscape, right? So if we think about what's what's going, what has started to take place and what is going to continue to take place in the coming weeks, the coming months between guys transferring out, guys transferring in, guys declaring for the draft, weird, dumb shit happening, coaching hires happening, dra- um, depth charts shaking out, guys leaving teams, all that stuff. Like there's no way that we could even begin to try and give consideration to how that's going to shake down. So when you see... Our, and when we talk about our top th- our thirty our three round thirty six player draft board right now, first of all, it's already so stale just in the sense that like so much st- ridiculous stuff has already happened in the last week. But second of all, the names are of course going to be so so familiar uh, because we're like if we were to actually put money to this, like how could you realistically try and uh, project anyone other than someone who was kind of already a super contributor or expects we expect to ascend into something of a proven system or it just has comes, comes from an unbelievable recruiting profile. So the, the, the mold, the, the build for the type of player that would be a part of this, uh, this exercise is just, it's very, it's very defined. I think. Known quantities. Exactly. Yes. Proven. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you know, you see, you see some different strategies, even, even right out of the gate. Uh, something that I did, at least in the offseason best balls, to you know varying degrees of effect uh, is trying to coalesce around wide receiver rooms, such as you know obviously Ohio State, where I, I was a big proponent of, of taking a Buka because I felt like he had the skill set to be able to emerge. And we see number three wide receivers or perceived number three wide receivers in Alabama, Ohio State, you know, the, the high profile prolific offenses often ascend to the uh, primary or secondary roles. 
Um, and what I'm getting to here is you see Mike early on here, um, two of his, I mean, literally his first three picks, Mayan Williams went at one six, and then he immediately went and took Trevion Henderson at the one ten pick. All right. So this is, he is playing the portal here. You know, he's saying, all right, obviously I don't think I'm going to get both these. I think one of them's going maybe probably Mayan Williams. I mean, I'd be interested to hear Mr. Katz's thoughts since he did bullseye Trevion last year. Uh, and, and, and that was certainly a great hit on his part, you know, in terms of just the, the draft leagues, the single season leagues. But um, it looks like he probably, I mean, he's playing the odds here, but he's paying the price to do so with these high end backs. Like if you could do it over again, would, would either of us honestly do that? I, I Two of the top 10 picks on Ohio State running backs. I mean, I understand we're playing the portal, but look at the uncertainty with taking that sort of a route. Um, you know, high risk, high reward. Yeah, and for context, we just took out a bunch of dudes. We just assumed, you know, Blake Corum, Deuce Vaughn, you know, Dwayne McBride, all these different guys who have announced or not are all not in the the draft pool. So, you know, there there is a possibility that a few of these guys, like a Mayan Williams, leaves. But there's also options. Obviously, we just wanted to keep it a little bit easier on us. That's where, but you're right, Froats. And I think Mayan and Travion, one of them has to leave, whether that's NFL or Portal or whatever, to really make that make sense. Um, and I know, I don't, I'm guessing Mike probably wasn't thinking that each pick was going to be created to his own team, uh, rather just creating a, a sort of ADP in a sense. Sure. But yeah. If, if you're valuing, you can't possibly value those two together um, at, at, at Ohio State. So it'll be really interesting mm-hmm. to see what Mayan does or Trevion does um, before the off season is over. Do you want, do you want to run down the top 12? The top 12? Yeah. Did I just, did you? He blacked out. (laughs) (laughs) Top 12, yeah. So uh, yeah, I already did it, but it it was Caleb, Drake, Martin. Cats, how how is it 10 a.m. here? It's in the West Coast. We saw what my pregame routine was. How am I the one (laughs) Who forgets the top 12, my brother? I'm just, I'm having fun with you. I, I think Andrew, I, I loved Raheem Sanders, by the way. I was going to take him if you didn't. I was appealing to your inner draft analyst. <laughs> I'm curious if we see guys like Keaton Mitchell and Raheem Sanders move down a little bit um, when offseason shakes out and it's February, so. March, April. It, that feels more like, um, and I took Keaton Mitchell at the seventh pick, but like, that feels like one of those situations where we know what we're getting out of them. They're going to be at where they are, which is a good place. So we just figured, I mean, their production was awesome anyways, and they're incredibly talented, but I I'm curious to see if they will be in that same range by March, April. I have a absolute crush on Raheem Sanders. I hate myself for not having more shares of him when he was a freshman in dynasty. And I cannot believe the violence and the power and speed combo he has out of Arkansas, I would give it to him 25 times a game. Oh, my God, is he great. You know who should get it 25 times a game but doesn't is Will Shipley. Well, he needs 25 times a game with the efficiency ratings that he has. He's not – you're going to – Will Shipley compared to Raheem Sanders. It's not even close. It's not even close. And I'm wearing a Clemson jersey. I'm wearing I'm, – I got Nuke on right now. I'm, wearing, I'm channeling DeAndre Hopkins here on the BTR podcast. 
No How way. How many carries would he have needed no to hit his 93 and a half yard rushing prop last week? What the fuck was that, man? Not, not like I had, I had too much money on, on that, that, that prop. It felt, it felt nice. UNC. I get it. It all right? makes sense. It all makes sense. Doesn't it? They're killing UNC too. Killing them. <laughs> Destroying them. Game is over at halftime. It's like 39, 10, right? Yeah. No, no, it's just I, I am not a Will Shifley guy. I can't believe he's as high as he is rated just in terms of NFL draft stock and such. And he, I, I see him as a volume-based back. I like what when Mafa comes in behind him for NFL draft purposes, I think he makes him look better. Mafa looks like he's more powerful. You know, he's he get, he's just as good in terms of vision. Like, I'm not impressed by Shifley's vision. He just And he's 205? Yeah. He's not big. It's not like he's 215, 220. Like he's gonna be I just don't see him as projectable as a lot of people do. So that's was, uh that's probably my one pick that I don't like as as much here. I was uh, obsessed with him coming into Clemson. I was like, this dude is going to like do all the CMC things. He's gonna catch a zillion passes, be shifty as fuck, and like get volume too. And like it, even as a freshman, when he got on the field super early, and I don't know, it just felt like you it just was never as impressive as I wanted it to be. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that changed next year. I mean, it's, it's yeah. look, he's in the spot. It's his spot. And we're talking about CFF here. So in terms of projectability, he's, he's an every week starter. You're not going to bust unless he gets you know injured, but like, you know, right. if he's, if he's in the lineup, he's going to be able to give you 15 at least, you know, yeah. he's going to get volume. So uh, half the battle is getting that volume and being behind an offensive line like Clemson and wants to maul people anyway. So yeah, and I wonder if their offense will be better with DJ Ugon. It looked like it, would, it would be better definitely. for sure, and he's probably another one of those guys that falls for sure in the in April. But second round picks, Carson Steele, uh, the running back who's in the portal. What it is, we can talk about that one here. Is don't don't do it, folks. Wait, give me a second. Give me a sec. <laughs> Dante Cephas, the Kent State receiver, Damian Martinez of Oregon State, a couple of receivers back to back, Malachi Corley and Xavier Worthy. Then we went a couple of running backs, Javante Barnes and Trey Benson, some interesting picks. Then Dorian Singer, the receiver, Rasheen Ali, Jaden Daniels, Donovan Edwards, and Devin Neal. So let's start with Steele. What an interesting portal decision from Carson Steele. Froton, you're the you're the draft lead draft guy. Is he actually good or is he a volume back? Then that's why he's productive. Oh, from an NFL draft standpoint? No, come on. <laughs> God, I mean, he he's like a I would say a poor man's Toby Gerhardt in in my estimation. Uh would be just off the top of my head. But uh who doesn't love watching a guy with flowing hair, you know, blonde like my maybe like myself? Uh, out there carrying the rock in action, just bowling people over with 30 carries a game. I mean, that's 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 why we we all know college football is better than pro football. It just is. We all know this. It's wall to wall action every Saturday. You hit it's November, and it's every night of the week that you are getting action, or you're getting the Sun Belt. You get everything. So uh, I loved him at Ball State. We'll see where he lands, but look, I mean redrawing the lines here if we're doing this over i i think the uncertainty means he falls he ends up at what maybe a purdue <laughs> who knows so he tries to be the next xander horvath okay <laughs> we'll see we'll see I, I, it's all about landing spot but i would say he takes a hit here uh steel yeah i'm really curious where he ends up landing 
it feels like he's going to go to like a lower lower level Big Ten type, like an Indiana, Illinois, Purdue type. But none of them are going to seem all that appealing. Maybe Illinois, but Illinois. I think the higher level of competition would be a little difficult. Andrew, do you have any steel thoughts or maybe anybody else from the second round that you, you said it all? You said it all for steel. So how many guys from this do from this uh, set of twelve are in the portal presently? It's three, right? It's steel, Cephas, Singer. Yeah, I guess yep. that's it. Mm-hmm. From, of from the remaining group. nine, who's the next one to enter the portal? Is it Corley? Is it um, Rashin Ali? Those are probably Corley, Corley's in the portal. Is he? Oh yeah, yeah I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. My bad. Yep. So he was actually was, four. That was ages ago. Yeah, it was like eight months ago. Yeah, <laughs> eight days. <laughs> um, Worthy seemed to be close to the portal, then he got sucked back in in Austin. Mm. Um, God, I don't know if anybody else from this list hits the portal. Maybe Rasheen Ali, but I think what's his name, Layborn, is done. I think his eligibility after twelve years, they said it enough. Yeah, he's got another year, bro. You know. I, 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 I did. did you see Benson's back? Sorry, who? Benson, Trey Benson. He he said on Twitter that he's coming oh, back. Sweet. That's good for him because it's the first year he's actually seen the field. Yeah, he looked yeah. so good down the stretch. Absolutely. Keep, build that stock. I mean, he would definitely, I think, probably fourth-round draft capital as is, and that's with a, a limited amount of really, you know, pretty much the second half. Uh, you give him a full season, absolutely, and good for good for Florida State. What a what a you know a nice rise there. As we all know, their offensive line during the Cam Akers era was was a, a national laughing stock. I don't I don't think that's even an overstatement. I think it was a laughing stock, and to see where they've come, like their line. If you look at you know, the DVOA stuff, excellent this year. Props to Florida State and props to Norvell. I think they got most of the guys coming back. Travis is coming back. Mm-hmm. Like they're gonna run. They can be a force in the ACC. Who says they can't? Yeah, that'll be a good team. Um, was certainly surprised by Benson blowing up so much. They have three good backs. And, I was gonna uh, say going into next story. Only- are you afraid at all that it devolves back into a committee at all, or is it just gonna like it be Benson wheels up? I think Tua Feely is really an interesting player. But he seems a little bit more role based. I would be worried about Treshawn Ward. Is he he returns as well, right? Unless he goes to the portal. Yes, I would think if, there aren't many three man dances anymore that are you know sitting around and just allowing all three of them to be stagnant in the portal era. So yeah. I would think they got forty five days in the initial period. So you could either see them you know, in late January pop or to, Hey, look, you have another transfer period after spring ball. You could see how the, everything shakes out. Um, Toa Philly is smaller, but we've seen him. He's dynamic. He could be content with a role. Maybe you see Treshawn Ward, who was a less heralded recruit um, and kind of made good, you know, above and beyond expectations go and move on. I think that would probably be the best role for him and for Florida state having that nice thunder and lightning combo, but no, mm-hmm. yeah. See, I did want to say one thing. Okay, fine. Xavier Worthy. I couldn't. I couldn't pick him this year. If there was one guy out of all my props all year, I, when I thought he would go under, he went over. When I thought he'd go over, he went under. What? What are you, Xavier Worthy? He's you know he's streaking down the field, buck naked. When I take his unders, or excuse me, when I take his overs, and Quinn Ewers won't hit him. 
and then he'll be he'll make magical incredible catches when uh when I, I take his under. So I I have it I could not figure him out this year. I expended a pretty good amount of CFF draft capital in our preseason stuff on Worthy. I was a believer. I don't think he had a single 100 yard game all season. I don't think he had one. I might be wrong. He might have one, but it wasn't two. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> very very disappointing. Um, I that's why I just couldn't. Couldn't bring myself to take him again after he hurt me before, but I understand. He, he's he will probably pop now. I want to control the next two topics. So go, you got it. You brought up props for Otan. So I am so the thing that I'm so excited about with bowl season is that we get so much of the same vibe as week one of the CFB season from the perspective of information. And paying research, paying dividends, and the kind of getting it out of it what you put in and stuff like that. Like week one was my best week of the year for DFS, for everything, for betting, for props, because we did like so many of us, we did so much research, and it pays off, right? Because we're we're ahead of the books. Uh, and the season long props as well were were excellent. I know you, yeah. everybody cleaned up on prize picks, all of so, us. Yeah, all seasons work. like an elongated week one in a lot of ways. We get it spread out over such period of time, but it's the same thing, I think, and which is like it's so exciting because that you get you get the chance to play that out and turn your money over so many times potentially. But I'm interested in how it's going to actually play out in terms of the markets in the sense that like okay, if we just destroy the prop market uh, because with ha- like they put up, they put up props and we've, we're finding out guys are opting out and we take advantage of that like minutes and hours before the game start, right? Like, is it going to be, is it going to be something where they just stop putting up props? So uh, for after the first few bowls or something, because that's how, that's how it's going to play out. Right. We, we learned so much information in the last couple of days leading up to bowl games about a lot of these teams at a player level and we, we could take advantage of it. Right. But I wonder how the markets will end up reflecting that after the first few slates. Uh, well, you've seen all year how reactive the markets are just in general. And that's, you know, you see generally FanDuel has been setting the marketplace. They've been putting out stuff first. And DraftKings, while at the beginning of the season, you'd see them putting out Wednesday. It was the trickle effect they tried. So they tried yeah, okay, we'll put some games out on Wednesday. We'll put a you know a pretty good solid slate out on Thursday, and then we'll we'll dump all the rest on Friday and 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 catch the late games on Saturday morning. Um, and then it's sort of whatever is settled has settled. They stopped doing that. Uh, they were getting killed on that in the preseason, much actually me in the early season, much like you mentioned, uh, Andrew. Uh, and they've now just been letting. FanDuel set the lines and waiting until Friday morning or, you know, Friday afternoon even to kind of put out fairly saturated lines. Um, So I think you'll see that trend continue because that's what happened in just the overall college betting market. FanDuel is the market leader. They're the ones who put it all out first. Everyone else is following. And they put out some, you, if you're betting uh, sides or over unders, you should be literally waiting on FanDuel hitting refresh every Sunday, waiting for when they're going to release their first lines because they fuck up every week and their stuff gets adjusted immediately. Immediately. You'll see within those first two hours, it's it's like a, a, the bar graph charts of how it goes down. So um, I know you're going to see FanDuel put them out. They're going to put them out. It's an arms race. 
You have now six more states, I believe, have gone legal gambling-wise. We have 32 states where you can legally gamble now, adding Massachusetts. Like, the entire Northeast is in. Um, it's only going to continue. So it's a market share race. They want that market share, and a lot of those states start on January 1st. And the big betting events are the NFL playoffs, which will be coming up, but they're not even – the, the season extended. So, like, the playoffs aren't even happening until, you know uh, – mid-January now. It's not like it's right after the New Year. So that's going to be the first events of these big bowl games on the on the second and the NFL games on the first for all these markets. They need a piece of it. They're going to give you a piece of it. We're going to have those games. Um, I'm not really worried about them putting them out because of the market share factor. Because they have it's an arms race. So you will see lines. I'm confident of it. Look at what we saw for the conference championship week two. There's a fucking avalanche of lines and there was fewer games so if they're willing to do that on conference championship week which the lines were i mean they were better than last year which they lined spencer petrus and it was the infamous spencer petrus alex padilla conundrum uh, and and money festival of 2022 is a wonderful wonderful event um but they've the lines have gotten sharper you know full full stop they've stopped putting out horrific lines but you still see a couple here and there. Mr. Katz, I know I know you've done some great work on that front with FanDuel, my friend. I want Thank to you, give buddy. you some respect there. Um, you've, you know, but our community, everybody's done a great job. Like the C2C guys, Moxley's great with this stuff. Andrew, you, you're, I mean, exceptional. Um, you know, Mike's great. My, so we're lucky to have a pretty good community uh, of guys that are, are sharp and we've been able to stay ahead of the books with these pro- player prop stuff in a way that you don't see the, the old guard Vegas people being able to profit off of sides and over unders. And it's just that simple. It's a dollars and cents thing. If you can bet one or the other, why aren't you doing that? And there's nobody better. I mean, some of the best in the world, you two, you know, in all honesty. So, um, you know, that's something I, I think you guys should continue to uh, exploit and and press, and people should continue to watch your podcast. You guys are great. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, maybe one day Georgia will get betting. Maybe one day. Oh, yeah, American well, dream. Yeah. Or maybe I'll just have to move to a border or something. Andrew, what what else? It was takes the top one of my... state. It takes one state around you to get it, and then all the other states start seeing. Oh, look at the revenue generation you're getting off of this. <laughs> And then they all like, oh, all of these people are driving over the state lines to go and do it. And they're just going to this place and giving them money. And then you'll get it. If, if Herschel had won, I think that was going to be his first, uh, his first announcement. <laughs> oh, no. Props, yes. I mean, it actually makes a lot of sense for him. But, you know. Oh, yeah. If he can, it's probably the one platform he can enunciate clearly. <laughs> all right. My second uh, topic. So, I don't think he went in our draft because I think we all assumed that he was out of eligibility. I believe incorrectly, but Ladamian Webb said he's coming back, right? Did, did I read he that? Did. Yeah, I saw that yeah. yesterday. So where he would he would definitely have gone if we all kind of made the assumption that that was going to occur, right? He would have gone in the top thirty-six, I would think. He was obscene this year. Yeah, excellent. I don't see why I don't see why you wouldn't want him over like Javante Barnes or yeah. you know Jay Knott, Trayshawn Potts, Jace McClellan. Those are all yeah. guys I think that Webb would definitely be a good offense. They hammer him with it. Good player. Still there, I think. Right. So I think that's a great call out. Yeah. A I didn't, but call. he is. I think he might have. 
I want to say he might have another year. Like <laughs> crazy. Well, stuff. This but he's got the one he's ever really him. played. Right. Uh, this let's wrap out the the third round here, and then uh, we can kind of ask some random stuff here. But Froton took the first tight end, Brock Bowers at three hundred one. Then we had Torrey Horton, the receiver, Jaden Ott, Treshawn Potts, Jace McClellan, all running backs there. Evan Stewart, the receiver, Orande Gadsden from Syracuse, the receiver. Then Will Rogers, Luther Burden, Bahrain Morton, Kavorian Barnes, and Jordan Travis. Which one was the most surprising of those bunch, Froton? Anybody jump out? The most surprising, maybe for me. Well, I mean, I guess a little surprising is Brock Bowers, since no one else took a tight end. I was the one who took a tight end. I thought we were, you know, we were putting, well, we were putting, putting a lineup in. together. I, I wanted Bowers, so it, it, it's all good. Um, a couple things. One, look at all the freaking running backs we took, because we didn't have any defined position limits. It's just a freaking running back parade all the way through up until like the very end. Um, and I just strategy wise, you saw the quarterbacks. We, we waited until the end. I took a different approach than you guys did and going with Caleb Williams and Austin Reed early with two of my first three picks um, where you guys waited. If I had to take one pick that I says a little surprising, it would probably be Jaden not um, just for the, sheer reasoning that he got a pretty good amount of volume this year. He's obviously a, a freshman. He's a little light. You know, when I, I've seen him run, he had that huge, huge game where he ran for almost like maybe over 300 yards. But then after that, he was still getting in the teens, you know, 15, 16, 17 carries, but he wasn't hitting the same level. He wasn't excelling in the way that I was kind of hoping that he would. Um, I, I guess I would rather have a upside shot, like if Trayshawn Potts is able to hold off um, the other um, Zach what's his name? The, the other Zach Evans um, and get that full share. Well, we saw what Ibrahim was able to do this year, and he literally, I mean, literally won Joe a couple of those CFF site best balls because he took Ibrahim so early. So it's like that – you know, Kavorian Barnes, again, he looks like the guy UTSA. What a great spot with everybody coming back. Frank Harris. So, um, I, and with Damian Webb, I guess I'd probably prioritize those running backs who have a little bit higher upside than Ott. And that's not a shot at my friend Chris K. With, with yeah, it's okay. He, what a great point, though. 274 yards and three touchdowns against Arizona pretty early on. And he didn't break 100 after that. So, He's his numbers look good overall, but when you look at the actual game by game, it is a little bit deceiving. I will say I love his passing game usage. Anytime sure. you can get a running back with with guaranteed two three catches, it's always nice. It'll be interesting to see if they continue to to ride him or, or give him a little bit more. But he's no one else there. Damian Moore's in the portal now, so I mean it's it's the writing's on the wall. It's Jaden Knott's gig. It's just. Well, not so much an indictment on himself either. It's just what is the actual upside of the Cal offense too, you know, with right. Justin Wilcox getting extended despite being just, you know, so boring. So boring. Well, they hired that fraud Spavitol now. <laughs> oh, that's right. I love you cats. I saw this on Twitter. Go I, ahead, Andrew. I, I generally try and not say negative things about people either in our space or within college football. Like, But coaches are totally fair game. And there's – 
I it is such a strong conviction of mine that, that this dude has been riding his last name. Like his dad rolled around with all the some of those legendary coaches. So that definitely helped him with, from a launching pad perspective. And then the, the where he has had success, he took over the for Kingsbury at AM. And did, would you even call the second Manziel season successful? I I wouldn't. Like the offense regressed across the board. And then he went to West Virginia and you know, he's not doing anything with Holgerson running the show over there. Correct. Yeah. And I don't know. I can't remember if he directly goes to Texas state after that, but yeah, direct. I'm pretty sure. What a disaster to be in Texas and decide I'm going to ignore this recruit, the, the the most fertile recruiting ground in the country across the board. I'm going to ignore Texas high school football as one of the what six or seven FBS coaches in there, the, in that state and just go like concentrate exclusively on transfers. I don't even know what his offense is supposed to be. Like he gets the, he has like the air air raid attribute or tag or whatever, but it's not, it's never that he's, he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> name, name like a relevant Texas state Bobcat that, that any sort of sustained, you know, production over the past few years for CFF purposes. And, you know, you know, that's not happening. Good. It just, it, it, again, defense first coach Wilcox. Good luck. Have fun. Great call. Cats. Great <laughs> call. I, I love coordinator uh, talk too. Like that's, oh, that's yes. absolutely one of my favorite, favorite things is, is burying coordinators or, or <laughs> lauding them as it would be, you know, like who, who lo- doesn't love John Donovan, you know, the Don- John Donovan era from Washington. Like, I, I love that. It's so hard to tell who actually like does stuff and who doesn't, right? Like we all know, like you said, right. Holgerson, no assistance really calling any shots there, but like, uh, you know, the yeah, impact Lynch. of all these guys, sure. right. So it's always interesting to hear that battle. Um, do we think Trayshawn Potts is the Minnesota running back? Probably not, but I don't know. I, like st- that, you could make this say the same thing about McClellan, right? Where yep. yeah, I, I took a shot on McClellan. Okay. Yeah, maybe we should have drawn more guardrails regarding how we're all approaching this and try and do so uniformly to some degree. Because do we just assume the next man up is the next man up? Do we assume that there's going to be a transfer coming into supplant? I don't know, but I, yeah, like based on what we know right now, <clears throat> it could be pots, and if it is, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. So yeah, I think we can all up. agree that it's more. I think it's a good tell of saying, okay, well, if we're going to take the Minnesota running back, the third third round's a good spot for him. You know, the Alabama running back, barring some amazing transfer to them, certainly worth a third round pick because it's not like Potts and McClellan are like game-breaking awesome players right unless someone studly transfers over to one of those schools third round feels like a good spot for him to me yeah well and it, it opens up the look look what mike did with again mine williams and trevion in the first round if that's worth doing which you know it certainly is defensible i understand where he's going is there something wrong with doing a trashon Potts zach evans combo or you know <laughs> something along those lines What's wrong with that? You know, is that I, I think you could certainly justify that sort of an approach without a doubt. I mean, that's a honey hole. Get it. Get all of it. We got a Colorado State guy in the mix this round. Andrew, had, and you didn't even take him. Uh, well, I was, I was hoping no one would take him so that then he would have no draft ADP and I could kind of take him. Right <laughs> well, unfortunately for you, I'm giving this to Jared and he's putting it. He's already starting ADP for 2023. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm, this is the truth. Jared's the best. 
Jared's yeah. got to take time off too. That guy's doing too much right now. He's got to be. You see what I just busy. did? <laughs> just deleted him off the the sheet. It never happened. Uh, so last year uh, we had this tight end battle, really just led by Kyle Francis, of who deserved to go first of the tight ends, Bowers and Mayer. Do we think there's a second tight end in this next year? Because it doesn't feel like there's a like a second competing tight end to, to, at the top. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a tough call. I would say in terms of the um, uh, the Zach Kuntz's lurking out there, like last year with his 117 targets, where it's like, oh, wow, who's this Zach Kuntz guy? Everybody goes, and, well, you got to do something about him. And then, you know, not much out of Mr. Kuntz. Um, I would say Jatavian Sanders, is he is he will be back, correct? I believe so. If Jatavian Sanders is back, I think he's the two. I mean, him, I mean, maybe Caden Priestcorn um, would be considered somebody who would be in that two lanes. But Santa's really good. And, you know, I, I think that next year, year three of Sarkeesian, they have Worthy on the outside, but he's a buck 65. You know, Sanders is, a, is full grown. And clearly they are not afraid to go to him. Um I think he's the clear right now number two for me in terms of you know devastating uh, tight ends. I, I would like Sanders. The passing offense for Texas at the end of the year devolved into just screens for him. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, Sanders, that was it. Yeah, it's all it's all they could do. It, it seriously was like this guy's a freak. Let's just let him let him try to create plays. The nice thing about that offense is is they throw to like three dudes. You know, yeah, they just throw yeah. to Worthy, Sanders, and Whittington, and then obviously some Bijan in there too. Yeah, Bijan um, dump offs. Mm-hmm. Do we see? I feels like going through this this exercise. I love two to three, probably now just two quarterbacks, and then the rest of them feel like a like third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounders. You know, last year we had Malik Cunningham. You know, Sam Hartman was kind of in the mix in the third round. You know, we had all these different options to go with Stroud and Young and Hooker and all those guys. It feels like the top end of the quarterbacks could be a little thin. Well, we're going to have more turnover, I think, in the way of like so many of our first five, six round quarterbacks last year were guys that had proved it previously. Right. I don't know if we necessarily have that uh, this year or maybe we just missed them when we were going through this exercise. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, I'm agreeing with you. If there's one guy that we did miss, but it's because we purposely excluded him. And that's Michael Penix. Who's now announced that he's coming back. Um, I will be interested to see what, imagine they run it back and we get, you know, a Dunze or McMillan or both back. That would be pretty appealing from a, uh, a fantasy point of view. I, that is the one purposeful miss. Cause again, we, we called the, what we expected guys to go. We, figure Penix would go. Um, but you're right. I mean, once you get past the guys that we did draft and you could argue that, he, you know, Jordan Travis really good, but is he, you know, particularly sexy? I don't know if he really gets the blood boiling, but uh, Jaden Dolores probably got to be considered, you know, Frank Harris is back now. He's a guy we didn't have in obviously Frank Harris, that UTSA offense, but what happens with UTSA? Is there coaching movement? You know, he has still relatively intact, but, you know, we'll see how that develops. 
Um, but other than that, you know, uh, SMU. Preston Stone. We're going to go Nate's with Preston guy. Stone because Mordecai's already said he's gone. Preston Stone should probably be in that conversation. He will be in that conversation. Um, Wake Forest, Mitch Griffiths taking over. He probably will be, right? Tennessee, Chris? Tennessee. <laughs> Bazooka Joe? <laughs> All right, so let's do this. You think Milton's going to take it? You think Nico comes in? Nico Yamaleva, five-star, volleyball <laughs> superstar. <laughs> Mirror athletes. Do you he's think he young. takes over, Joe? He's too young. He's too young. I, yeah, I'm not concerned about that situation. I think Joe Milton is going to win the job easily. Um, it's just a matter of what does he do the first three games, you know? Like, I don't think this is a situation where we you see, like, a – Klubnik come in, although he should have come in much earlier for Clemson, but I don't know. I think Milton's fine. I don't, when you're that young, it's hard for you to make an impact year one at quarterback. So, yeah, so difficult. So, I'm I'm a Joe Milton guy. Where does, uh, where does Austin Reed have to go to make him fantasy relevant? The rumor is he goes to Louisville, which means he'd be with Brom, which would be fun. Is that enough to take him into to relevancy, or is he just pure system? Uh, I would it, it, relevancy in CFF. Yeah, Correct. definitely. Sure. I, I think that's, that's absolutely, I mean, he was a division two all American and he came out there and did just fine piloting, um, you know, our buckle system, which is obviously he's a direct descendant of what will be the Zach Kelly tree. And yeah, in Brom system, as we all know, look, <laughs> I, I need to tell you guys what happens when Purdue, you know, uh, Jeff Brom, was in town. They were top five in pass attempts each of the past five years. The top five. I mean, they are absolutely going to be slinging in six point per passing touchdown leagues. He's an absolute lock. You have to have him. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you take a shot? He's at least a QB two. And if he's not, I'd love to see the 23 other guys, the 24 other guys that are above him that you'd rather have in Jeff Brom's system at this point, because you're not playing the big 10 anymore either. Right. This isn't Jeff Brom, Purdue going going up against Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Like, sorry, those guys aren't on the schedule anymore. Now, now you're gonna have some fun. Other than Clemson, you know, and probably Ohio. You know, of course, Florida State's gonna be losing verse. They're gonna be losing like a lot. Who really scares you for defenses? Like, Give me Addison Reed. I, I'd be, I'd be, in, actually, Addison Reed, former, <laughs> former closer for the Chicago White Sox. Give me Austin Reed, the guy I actually drafted. Sorry about that. I so you brought up Purdue. You, I assume you watched the Ohio State Michigan game and you watched the Michigan Purdue games the of yes. week thirteen and fourteen. So which of the right. I saw plays in both games that I've never seen before, and I want your opinion on which one was cooler. The in the Michigan Ohio State, the handoff to the linebacker where he ran straight up the middle and then through the pass instead of like going side to side, or the Maccabee fake flea flicker where you know he had to turn around to fake it and he doesn't know who's going to be coming through to hole at him. He Correct. could be dead. So, and it worked so incredible, both worked so incredibly. So, which was cooler and which was more in- 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 ingenious? Without a doubt, the flea flicker. I've never seen it done. Everybody's probably wanted to do it. I don't think anyone's had the <laughs> balls to do it, to hang their running back out. <laughs> Just, maybe it gets destroyed. <laughs> 
You're right, right. but beautiful. I, I, lo- I loved it. Brahm was probably like, I know I'm out the door. Uh, so. <laughs> Let's try it. <laughs> Let's do it. I thought that, I think it's pretty close, but I would agree. I thought the fate in real time was just, I was like, holy shit, did I just see that? Like, <laughs> did I, and it worked for like 20 yards. It's amazing. I, it's funny you asked that, proposed that question, because I was about to ask you guys what was cooler, the, the fake slide by Kenny Pickett in the ACC championship game last year versus the flea flicker. So I, I would say, Oh, I don't, I didn't like the fake slide. I thought that was like a, a exploitation of the rules. Cute quarterbacks are so protected anyways. Kenny Pickett, you know, doing that. Plus Kenny Pickett was a dick to me at the combine. <laughs> so I'm going to go with that with the mock play. Did you make a small hands joke? No, <laughs> uh, you know what I did? I asked him, uh, you know, after three, I think I wasn't too very nice to Mr. Pickett, I guess. Uh, I was like, after, you know, three straight years, you threw 13 touchdowns, literally on the nose. What is the, what was it that, uh, that, what was the signal that, that did it? Like, is there something, what do you attribute this incredible leap in production and, you know, whatever, whatever I said at the time to, you know, is it is it Mark Whipple coming in and modifying that whole pit offense and it working? You know, was it? And he sort of looked at me smug. He was like, "Yeah, that's it. It was Whipple coming in." I was like, "Oh, dude! Oh, dude! I'm Come on, fucking dick." Anyways, uh, yeah. So. You know, he's from my hometown. Really? Okay. Well, you know, everyone's like, "Yeah, he's a dickhead." Like, it's- oh, okay. Wow. So it wasn't just. Me. Yeah, Look at no. my dick dar is right on the way. Oh, am I wrong? Are you, are you just fucking with me right now? When you have hands that small, you, you get a little <laughs> you get a little uh insecure with that type of thing. You just become a dick because you have to be. So. I didn't think I was being a dick. I guess I guess I came across as one. That being said, it was my first time like being in a media scrum and asking questions of athletes. So I'll be, you, I'll be guys, I promise I'll be way more dialed in this time. You're gonna get a lot of mustache questions like I had with Gabe Burkich. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking feel my oats. Did you ask any dumb questions? You're gonna be in your bag. I, I, my, my phone died when I had an amazing conversation with Greg Dulcich about how he looks like a cross between James Franco, um, uh, Anderson Varejao, and uh, what was I think it was Prince Wesley from the Princess Bride with his mustache. I was like, you have an amazing look going here at Delchitz. Can you tell me a little bit about what's? I, and it was a, it was an exchange that we, where Delchitz is nasty because we, we all, we all knew Delchitz was going to be great. No surprise to us. I was the only person talking to him. I had like ten minutes with Greg Delchitz. No one else talking. I'm like nobody's talking to Greg Delchitz. What is wrong with you people? Because it's you understand when you're at the combine, right? I didn't understand until I went. It's just local media people asking the best things. Have you met with the Buffalo Bills? Have you met with the New York Jets? Have you met with the freaking Carolina Panthers? And these athletes are like, what? So like, then I come in, like, guys like us, you guys would love it. These guys that are like our heroes for CFF, yeah. nobody's talking to. Like, Kate Otten, I practically stopped. I was so excited to talk to Kate Otten. Because I, I, he was – my TE1 coming into the season, everything. And uh, and it, it was it was just great. It was geek fest time total geeking out because nobody actually knows anything that's asking any of those questions nobody knows anything about these players they're either just looking for team info 
or they're asking about, um, you know, oh, so, so you competitive ballroom dance in your spare time. What's that like? <laughs> I'm like, Jesus is fluff. This so, is, yeah. this is there going go. well. Uh, <laughs> let's pivot a little bit here. I, did you see the rumor? You don't Missouri want me to answer State... your question? You don't want my answer on the Kenny Pickett versus? Oh, yeah. Yes. Give me the Pickett versus. Yes. I feel strongly Pickett. about this. That I have to lean, even though I, like, I think the Mockaby play is cooler. I love that they changed the rule after the Pickett slide to that, that you can't do it. Like Anytime that you do something that forces the hand of the league to change the rule, like that sticks with me, and the, I think that's awesome. Like When the NFL changed the rule so Tred Richardson couldn't like lead with the crown of his helmet anymore or something, and that like that derailed his career. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, that, that gave me somewhat of a, a soft spot for Trent. Like, his, 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 they had it out for Trent. They should have just let him keep headbutting people or whatever it was, um, and maybe be in the Hall of Fame at this point. But uh, the, the, you, that, that Kenny Pickett slide is super cool. It's a good one. Do you have to flea flicker one. over the, the linebacker running back pass? Is, do you have it like us, Andrew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Okay. I will say, uh, to tie it up, Katz makes a great point. It, it's like a, it's a wrestling heel move. And as the resident, you know, obviously wrestling guy of the college community, uh, I have, you got to respect the, the Roddy channeling Roddy Piper. You know, if he ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Well done. Yeah. There's a rumor out there. The A&M, Texas A&M offensive coordinator could be Bobby Petrino. Did you? It's more recent. This is a this afternoon thing. Froton loves it. Yes, I do. The reaction was classic. Where is he at? Southwest Missouri State or something like that? They get Missouri Missouri a run this year. Yeah, Missouri State. Like they, they had a nice showing for uh, against Missouri. That would be the greatest hire of, of this cycle, at least, and just in terms of pure comedy. Can, can we get like an odd couple show? You know, it's Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau that is Jimbo and Bobby Petrino. Can we get cameras in in the staff of what this these meeting rooms look like? That's a, that's a reality show waiting to happen. I'm behind it. Yeah, over under four and a half plays called by Bobby Petrino if he takes that job. <laughs> like Jimbo's calling all those plays still, right? <laughs> oh, it's a full cucking. Your boy, uh, your boy, the tailgate tent tweeted, uh, can't imagine how excited parents are to let Petrino and Durkin be a role model for their young sons. <laughs> yeah, Durkin more... and Petrino, the same, beautiful. Yeah, it's awesome. make it happen. Football. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, I guess any final thoughts on the on the mock? I thought it was pretty interesting, pretty different. Um, How high I, do you think Barnes ends up going once we start doing the damn thing? Like he's going to keep. Kavorian? Yeah, he's yes. going to keep. He's only going to keep going up as long as Trailer stays, and we don't see anything crazy happen from a personnel perspective, right? I mean, sincere McCormick was like a ten to fifteen pick, yeah. overall pick, right? So I think the same thing. I mean, the guy was insane uh, for UTSA down the stretch. Yeah, he looked awesome the other night against you, uh, North Texas too. He, and he's so blatantly better than every other guy in that room. It's not even close. Didn't do anything stupid on the field either, just like in terms of like missing uh, blocks or like penalties or anything. Like he, like I, I even re- I'm, I watched, dude. So I did my new favorite thing for that game. Uh, I recorded that game and 
what was it the the uh, USC game going on at the same time and put like kids go to bed and I start uh, getting after it, rocking drinks and shit, and then start cycling through the two games, watching one pause, catch up the other, and then blocking the score on the bottom for myself. So I'm watching <laughs> these games in tandem in like a like a sort of a cycle, and but so I watched almost all of the the UTSA game and. We got we got the Barnes over on rushing yards what like ten minutes into the game or something, but that was like the quietest 180 yards I've ever seen. I didn't realize he was anywhere near that. I knew he was like around 100, and then all of a sudden he's got 180. Like that yeah, dude is gonna eat. And great call on that Kavorian Barnes over. My gosh, what a, what a wonderful, nice, easy <laughs> catch that was. The, yeah, what that was, was a, a great, great late season play. Well done, sir. Well, cool. Well, appreciate you hopping on for uh, for a time. I guess maybe one educational information thing piece from you, because I think we all kind of consider you and Mike to an extent the prop kings. Do you have one bit of advice or tip for those that are trying to get into it? Maybe the ones that are going to be starting on January 1? Oh, sure. Especially if ones that are going to be starting during the bowl season. Uh, very, very simple for bowl season. I'm sure Andrew uh, will, you know, another excellent mind when it comes to all this stuff will agree pay attention to the depth charts as he said when it comes to the opt-outs when it comes to all right there's a depth chart that comes out oh there's there's a coach who's having a press conference and he said this player is gonna you know be focused on um know the depth charts know what's happening with the player movement and that'll allow you to exploit the lines that come out because if you're on top of this information before the lines come out, you can be, you can profit wildly because these prop lines swing 20, 30. When it comes to uh, especially uh, quarterbacks, sometimes 50, 40, 50 yards, there can be differentials in lines and it can be swings. So you can really, in a way that doesn't exist with the over-unders, and the lines themselves, you can get a significant amount of closing line value if you do the advanced work. So if uh, if there's something for the bowl scene, I'd say do that advanced prep and be ready when draft when FanDuel will probably lead. So you know, check them out if you can. Uh, when they come up with those lines, be prepared to pounce. Yeah, I think that's why we all kind of crushed the season long stuff because we were doing prop, uh, we were doing best balls oh. for like five months before. So immediately we were like Chris Rodriguez at a thousand yards what are you talking about he's not even playing for you know like tyrone tracy is the receiver one tyrone tracy like, oh what are we doing here i mean 65 and a half what yeah what? So, <laughs> i think yeah. you're right on that for sure real quick do you have a uh prediction for the national championship uh i think in terms of the value right now like it's minus 125 on georgia it's tough to really you know, no offense to you guys. Take that minus one twenty-five. I, I'd probably be a little more inclined to go with Michigan. That's uh, right around plus two eighty, plus three hundred. Uh, I think that their line this year is my God. They were so dominant over the course of those, uh, those especially the last two weeks. Uh, I, I think that with Georgia losing so many players, and no offense, obviously to, to Cats. I know he's going to disagree or anything, but um, I do think that. It's it's hard to repeat. I, I like picking the trends of things changing. You know, I don't like to be stagnant. I don't like to take the favor. I don't think there's a lot of value there. So uh, I'll I'll go with trying to get 
uh, a little bit of value at plus 280 with Michigan. No real argument. The I can't. I generally try not to be that dude that emotionally hedges and says and talks about how tough Georgia is going to have in a week to week. Like, they're first of all, this entire year has just been a party. Like, we're just celebrating, in my opinion, this past year. It's first first championship for any of my teams in my lifetime. I'm soaking it in. I'm enjoying. Oh my gosh! Really? Yeah. Dude, oh I'm, my god! Cats. I'm a yes. Mets. Yeah, Mets, Knicks, Islanders, Jets fan, and then Georgia. So this oh, is boy. this is what we got. Um, so, but also like there, I can't say I was really concerned with any game this season going into it. Like I expected us to win every game and we have, so it's great, but well, I don't know how I can really be that confident going into Ohio state. Ohio state's really, really good. They got, just because day doesn't know how to coach doesn't mean that when the teams get on the field, <laughs> that the talent differential is great at all. Like, that team is incredibly talented and incredibly good. And, all like the fa- just the fact that they haven't looked very good in recent weeks doesn't really change all all that much about that. And the idea of having to go through Ohio State and Michigan back to back weeks or back yeah is a is a lot to ask. Yeah, yeah and they also- also- minus one twenty five. I mean that's that's you're the favorite and you're laying money to do it. Like uh, it's kind of just playing the percentages, but yeah. obviously George deserves to be the favorite. Yeah. It, regarding Ohio State, they also went for broke against Michigan in the fourth quarter. That was such a tight game. And if they didn't have every single guy in the box and yeah. Donovan Edwards just had to beat one guy, then they could have easily kept that a three-point game. So yeah, and that Georgia, interception, too. That interception by Stroud. Oh, that was a backbreaker. Yeah. But awesome, man. Well, we appreciate you hopping on. We've never had a guest, like we said, and it was a great time. Uh, it was a perfect situation to bring somebody on and get some perspective for next year. And hope everybody enjoyed it. And we'll uh, we'll all talk soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy.